What's up, you guys? Welcome to the December 27th edition of the Rotor World Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I'm Mike Gallagher. Get ready to talk some stat correlation, some injuries, some quotes, and a couple of three-point guys that are better at threes than we thought uh, coming into the season and coming out of the season, too. With me to do so is Tommy Beer. What's up, man? What's up, brother? How are things? Pretty good, man. Just uh, enjoyed my Christmas. I got to watch... Uh, I was off on, on Monday, and I got to watch the games with the family, and I was my dad has a TV set up outside, so oh, I was watching nice. most of the games outside in, in Arizona. It was nice. <laughs> you can't do that here in New York, yeah. so I hope you it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So, um, yeah, how, about, how was your Christmas? Uh, it was good, actually. I was at the Garden for the, uh, the Sixers-Knicks uh, Sixers game, and then uh, headed up to the in-laws. Um, so, uh, yeah, good day all around. Yeah, ESPN kind of lucked out. All four of their games are good. Yeah, yep. <laughs> Yep. So yeah, it was a pretty awesome. Like all of them were down to the wire and had some cool storylines. LeBron did get fouled apparently. Right. What are your thoughts? I'm always like, if it didn't get called, it's not a foul. So, I agree. I agree with you. Um, you know, I I thought it certainly could have been fouled in real time. It looked like a foul on replay. Um, I thought it probably should have been called a foul, but it wasn't egregious. Yeah. Um, and I I don't have a problem with it. Um, I think the, I think the NBA has done a great job in, in, in one issue. I think the NBA has done a great job in limiting timeouts at the end of games. It really quickens the the, the last couple minutes. Um, but these these replays are so long and drawn out. They they got to do something to correct that. Yeah, like they they were saying on the broadcast, um, Van Gundy was like, "Yeah, we can see right there that he's behind the three point line. Just give it thumbs up and go." Right, exactly. Like there's certain times where you just know immediately. Okay, you know, we know some. I understand they don't want to get it wrong, especially if they go to replay. Um, but at some point, they should institute a rule, you know, a max minute, you know, so, something along those lines where, um, you know, they, these guys can't figure out immediately. Let's just move on yeah. and, and what was on the court. Like, while the game's going on, someone can just do it while they're playing. It's like, oh, look, we got it. It's figured out. It's like someone, someone's job should be that. A hundred percent. Employ an extra five people and just that's the former referees to, to sit somewhere. They don't even have to sit in the studio in New York. Just have a laptop in front of them and give yeah. them all the angles and make the quickness thing up, you know. For sure. Put, throw it into the, the replay system, guys. Let them just do it. Exactly. Um, okay, so Ryan's got Ryan's a little busy, so he's got some family stuff. But he did. he's going to write his article. I'm not sure if it's up yet, but it should be up shortly. And like we did last week, we talked stat correlation. We're going to talk kind of bigger picture correlation, so more advanced stats. So we're going to try to correlate minutes, uh, pi, that's player impact estimate, which I'll get into, usage rates, offensive, defensive rating, true shooting, net rating, and all that. So we're going to talk about how that correlated, what did, what didn't, and kind of why we think why. So uh, he did minutes. Obviously, there's a strong correlation on minutes, which I, you don't really need to analyze that. The more you play, the more stats you're going to get. Like, there. Anything you want to add to that? <laughs> no, I think that sums it up pretty yeah. pretty. Yeah. yeah, we don't need to get into that. Okay, so Ryan did do Pi. Again, that's NBA.com's version. It's basically NBA.com's version of PER. The only big difference that jumps out is three-pointers. Uh, other than that, they're pretty similar, and then it's weighted differently. Like, basically, Pi is designed where it's, how much do you impact a game? So if you're 10 players, the average player is you know 100%, 10 players, 10%. So that's kind of what their goal was with this stat. So if you're like near 20, you're you're the you're the top dog. For instance, uh, Hassan Whiteside is actually first among players with 15 minutes. Uh, Giannis, LeBron, Harden, AD, Embiid, Westbrook, Kawhi, Jokic, Capella, Miritich, Cantor, 
Cousins, CP3, Durant, uh, and then Tyreek Evans, and then Curry. So I'll stop there. So, um, yeah, this makes sense. Again, this this stat is pretty much just based off of box score stats. It's based off how you perform in points, field goal makes, free throw makes, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, fouls, and turnovers. So, again, pretty pretty straightforward. So that would make sense that all those stats are going to correlate highly to your fantasy value. Yeah, it kind of skews towards bigs a little bit, obviously, with the white side and those you know, guys that get shots around the rim and high field goal percentage guys and those, those type of cats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the blo- the blocks I think are really blocks. heavily weighted there. Yeah, uh, because it's weighted for those blocks divided by the amount in the game. So if you're blocking a high percentage of the game's blocks, that's going to vault you up, and that's why again we see so many bigs up there, and why Whiteside particularly uh, is so high there. But yeah, and Giannis also is an elite block guy. I'm surprised to see Durant was kind of low, but um, yeah, it makes sense that this is kind of correlated. Um, which, I mean, no one looks at like, okay, this guy's pie is this guy's fantasy value. Pretty much just cut to the chase and figure out what his fantasy value is. But still interesting nonetheless. Uh, okay, so this one's a little more relevant, especially for... Uh, and it's those are all relevant uh, rele- eh, related to 9-cat, 8-cat, and points leagues, a.k.a. FanDuel slash DraftKings. And another one that's strongly correlated for FanDuel and... DFS is usage rate, which you know we love. Um, there's a, a strong positive correlation from Ryan's research, which again makes sense. The more you, more possessions you use, the more you can produce stats, be it scoring or threes or on the downside of that turnovers. But you need to use possessions to score the basketball. Yeah, it's a really cool look at you know and way to put it together. You know, there's a reason why Rise the the reigning fantasy writer of the year. Um, you know, interesting articles that that kind of. Um, use statistics to confirm what a lot of us suspect. You know, it's it's one thing to assume that this is that, that there is a strong correlation, or um, you know, kind of it, it seems to imply uh, by the naked eye. And this 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 kind of research kind of um, reaffirms or, or reassures us that we're on the right track when we look at things like usage rate um, and and the way that they positively impact a player's fantasy value. And then Ryan also took a look at offensive rating, net rating, and defensive rating. And basically, what what he found was. Defensive negative rating was negatively correlated ever so slightly, but still even negative at all is kind of interesting, which makes sense because we always talk about teams that are kind of fantasy factories. And typically, like for instance, the Grizzlies, when they were really good on defense, when they were actually good, not so much now, uh, they wouldn't have very many guys be fantasy relevant because it's usually stronger defense means slower pace because if you're giving up a lot of transition points, A, you're picking up faster pace, and B, you're giving up more efficient scoring. Usually, trenches and scoring is really efficient. So those two factors come into it, and I think that kind of explains why defensive rating, a high defensive rating, be, meaning good. Like, if you're good on defense, you don't have as much fantasy upside, generally. Right. Yeah, makes sense. Anything you want to add to that? No, I think that uh, pretty much sums it up. Uh, and then same thing for offensive. Again, offensive rating. Usually, those offensive teams hit threes. And again, you're efficient. You're going to score more. And again, same thing I just said. If you score more in transition, you're going to get easier shots and also uh, tied into that are steals. So a lot of stuff baked into that, I would say. Yeah, and also it, it obviously has an impact what type of system you play for, you know, the type of coach, the type of teammates you have. Um, all that stuff is it factors into the equation. Yeah, and also like it's a moderate positive, so it's not quite as strong as the usage rate is. But again, same thing. Like the fantasy factory teams are all pretty good on offense. So your Golden yep. States, your Houston's, there's a reason why they're ranked so high. So 
those yep. studs on those teams are going to boost that value there. So basically, it's like, okay, these good these guys are good on offense. They're going to have fantasy value, which we kind of know. Right, and if and if teams like the Nets can get quality players, um, you know that that they would be in a similar position, ideally. Yeah, and then we also talk about this too. He uh, tried to tie in efficiency, so EFG, effective field goal percentage, and true shooting. And basically, what he found was for DFS, very weak correlation, which makes sense because we're not weighting efficiency nearly as much. Whereas an eight cat, nine cat. Your field goal percentage and your free throw percentage could really knock you off. Um, like that's why Westbrook hasn't been very good. It's because he's down in both percentages um, from where he should be. So, uh, but again, Westbrook's still been pretty solid for DFS, especially lately. So that kind of explains that. What do you think? Yeah, um, you know Westbrook actually has been a monster of late. You know he's really we, we, there were some questions about early on, um, but over the last I think five or six games or so, um, you know he's just been doing really really up this production, especially relative uh, to efficiency. Um, he's really been um, you know I think he's fifty five percent or so um, last couple of weeks. So um, he's one of those guys that if you happen to buy low, I don't think any I don't think many you know, owners, you know, so low on him. Um, but if you were able to snatch him up, you know, he's been a monster of late. Yeah, we had him. People were putting him outside the first round. Um, we yeah. We had that redraft. And I it's even true. had him 11th. Wow, yeah, so yeah. I, think, I still think he's going to be in that 8 to 12 range just because we know he's he's not. But the thing is, like, his free throws have to come up. That's really yes. the like, – yes. you can't be bad in both percentages. And, like, for as bad as he's going to be in field goals – he needs, yep. to, he needs to be up close to 80, which is what he's been in most of his career up until this year. And it seems like the rest of those guys are finally starting to figure out some offensive chemistry and cohesion. Um, on Christmas Day, they all shot 50% or better, all 20 points, um, at least 20 points. Um, so I think as those guys start to figure themselves out, it'll, you know, kind of all, all boats will rise with the tide kind of thing. Um, I think it'll benefit all three of them once uh, they get on the same page. For sure. So let's talk a little fr- uh, Tuesday action. Um, the injury of the night was Reggie Jackson rolled his ankle real bad. Um, he didn't quite step on Miles Turner's foot, but he rolled, he jumped and landed on it really bad and couldn't put weight on it. X-rays were negative. He's got an MRI today. Pretty sure he's going to miss at least a game. So that's Ish Smith City. Um, I would probably pick him up in most leagues. Again, he's going to hurt you in field goal percentage. I think, although he's been better than expected there. But, um, yeah, pick him up. And then Dwight Bikes, I think, is next man up on his two-way deal. Excite Bikes, my old summer league boy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Yeah, I also looked at at Jackson's numbers for my column, actually. Um, uh, Over the first 25 games this season, Jackson was averaging 16.4 points, 1.5 threes, while shooting 47.6% from the floor and 38.9% from three. Over his last eight, he's averaging 9.3 points, 0.6 threes. Um, while shooting just 33% from the floor and 17% from downtown. Um, so he was trending in the wrong direction anyway. Mm. Has always been an injury-prone guy, um, certainly over the last few years. So, um, you know, we'll see how quickly he can bounce back. 
Um, and yes, I think if Smith is definitely um, will start flying off the waiver wires, especially if it's a more significant injury, because um, Smith outplayed Jackson when they were both healthy at times last year. Well, if Jackson was ever healthy, uh, fully healthy. Um, but yeah, uh, is Smith, as you mentioned, the field goal percentage isn't great, but he's a low turnover guy um, in, in near the top of the league in terms of assisted turnover ratio last season, I think trailing only Chris Paul um, and that uh, among point guards. So um, he's definitely a guy you want to look at, if, especially if you're in the need for for a point guard yep he's gonna probably play 33 34 minutes i would say yep. um, while he's yep. out and again um he has a pretty good rapport with a lot of the guys yes he does they, play he does close sometimes play. and yep. you, as you mentioned he took a lot of reggie jackson's minutes last year yep so and man like you mentioned reggie jackson's been so bad before he was he was one of the bargains of the draft out of the first month yep. and a half of the season and he just totally turned it off so i think he's still got to stash him but um yeah it's it may be a little bit. Um, Jalen Brown's also dinged up today. There's apparently some ligament damage, but um, doesn't sound bad. He's going to miss a little bit of time. We know the Celtics have – I wrote about them yesterday. Their defense has been so, so bad lately, especially in the fourth. They're 27th in their last 11 games on defensive rating. And um, uh, dead last in rebounding in the fourth quarter over the last 11. Like They've just been getting beat up. You saw them on Christmas, and that's kind of what led me to look into this. They got beat on so many offensive rebounds by the Wizards, man. The um, rebounding thing is what's really weird. They were second overall in rebounding over the first, I think it was 20 games of the season or some, somewhere along those lines, first month plus of the season. And they've been outside the top 20, you know, in the last 15 or so games. So it's really a bizarre, you know, kind of turn of events for Boston. And that's usually what people go after for Al Horford is like, oh, he can't rebound very well. Right. So now that whole narrative is back. But Boston will be fine. I don't think they're going to be as yeah, good as they were. But um, agreed. You know, they're 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 not going to they're not a, they're, they won't win sixteen in a row again. Um, but they're not going to be you know five hundred over the next uh, as as they have been over the last you know three weeks or so. So a team that was ahead of them, or still is, the Raptors. They lost yesterday to Dallas, and DSJ had a bad. Like if you didn't watch the game, you just saw the box score. You're like, oh, DSJ, you killed me. Uh, he was 3 of 14 from the field, 8 points, 5 boards, 4 assists. Um, but Rick Carlisle really talked him up. He said, quote, tonight convinced me that this kid's going to be a great player. So he just said, quote, he just really energized the entire team. Uh, really, it was J.J. Bray, who I thought was the hero. Um, some late baskets look good, and that's kind of the way it is. J.J. Bray usually comes up big when they win, or Dirk, obviously. So um, DSJ, again, he's going to have a tough time meeting his draft price, but... I think you can still buy low. Someone was asking about dropping him to me the other day. Uh, I don't think he's there yet. I still have faith. Again, rookie point guards take time. This is an, a story I will keep saying. So I still, again, I still think if we're drafting today, you're probably looking like seventh, eighth round. Um, I, I still, I still buy him to turn around. I agree with you. Um, I think, especially over the second half of the season, listen, Dallas is going to be going to tank mode sooner rather than later. Um, so they have all the incentive in the world to play him as much as often as possible, um, you know, work out the learning curve. So that, that'll, that'll probably, you know, that'll impact his field goal percentage. But as far as counting stats and minutes played and things along those lines, um, I expect they'll be in the rise over the second half of the season. So I certainly wouldn't drop him. Um, yeah, if, if we were drafting today, I think right around the, you know, seventh or eighth round is, is probably a safe bet. All right. So we saw Bismack Biombo terrible shooting night, but he did work in the other cat. This is what we said. He's not going to help you offensively, but he can help you defense with blocks and with boards. And he really drove that point home yesterday. 
with five blocks and what was it, 12 boards? Thir- yeah, 12 boards and five blocks. One to seven from the field. Go figure that out. Um, 30 minutes, again, garbage time was a factor too, so I think he was probably pegged for 32-33 had there not been a garbage time factor. So does, does this change your tune on Biombo at all, or how aggressive, how, how do you feel about him going forward? I like Biz. I think what you see is last night is what you'll get going forward. Hopefully he'll shoot a little bit better, maybe rebound a little bit less, you know, the blocks. But there was a – I'm in a one expert league, and I, I didn't get him. I didn't pay enough for him off the waiver wire. I think he went for 15. I think I bid like 12. Um, I kind of kicked myself um, $100 budget. I probably should win more just specifically because I'm second to last in both blocks and boards. Um, so I should have probably um, ponied up. Um, I do have Blake Griffin coming back, so roster space, starting him every week probably would have been an issue, but that was my only hesitation. Um, but that being said, I think, yeah, what, what we saw last night is, is probably a, a safe, reasonable facsimile there going forward, um, you know, assuming Vucevic is out the full six to eight weeks. Um, you know, he's obviously not an offensive force, but if you need blocks and boards, um, I think it's very safe to assume um, he'll be near double-digit boards and, and a couple blocks a night. Yep. Uh, looks pretty good there. So and actually, I was surprised to find out when I was like, "Oh, one of seven. He must have got blocked like four or five times." Uh, no, only only one guy blocked him, Tyler Johnson, on a, <laughs> on a three foot layup. So uh, okay, um, okay, we talked about this over the weekend with Memphis kind of changing gears, and Kobe Simmons, my my boy, um, he closed last night in a close game against the Suns. And then also we saw Jerome Martin have a big putback dunk. Didn't matter because Tyson Chandler, we'll talk about that in a second, had a crazy ending to this game. Uh, Tyreek Evans is just killing. Dylan Brooks, big minutes. Brandon Wright was okay. Got the two, You pretty much got what you paid for there. Two blocks, one steal. Um, so he looks pretty decent with Jermichael Green down. What do you make of this team? I mean, they're pretty much running eight-man rotation with their starters, Martin, Ennis, who closed, and Simmons. Yeah, I think uh, you know it was interesting over the last couple of days. Um, they've adamantly denied that they're considering tanking, you know, um, which is is one thing to say. But from Gasol's perspective, I understand it. Basically, his quote was, um, "I don't have a season to throw away. I'm, I'm 32. I'm going to be 33 in January. Um, I can't take a, a month, a, a game, let alone an entire season, for granted." Um, so I think he's going to try to force the Grizzlies' hand and you know do their best to just become a you know competitive in some way shape or form but the reality is they're 14 games under 500 right now at 10 and 24 um and they need a draft pick to to kind of restock and 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 make this team competitive going forward um you know they they don't have cap space you know obviously with with parsons taking up you know 25 percent of the cap um you know him gasol and and Connolly is this huge chunk of change 75 plus million dollars a season going forward so they need an infusion of youth if they could get a top three top five pick um that could kind of maybe change the direction of the franchise because as we've seen, uh, some of these young guys coming in, especially if you get a you know luck out and get a, get a guy like Doncic, um, can really turn around a, a franchise right away. Um, so we'll see how it plays out. But um, that being said, you know I think it's only a matter of time. We'll see how they handle Connolly. Um, but if they can't start winning some games sometime soon, um, I think you'll see a lot more of the kids going forward. Yeah, Connolly was doing some on court stuff yesterday, and I saw a couple other guys were like, yeah, it looks like he's getting closer. Um, also, correction to Boston. I, I swore I thought Toronto was like one full game up, but the weird thing is because Boston's played so many more games than the Raptors, right. it's crazy. Yeah. So yeah. they're ahead of them percentage points now. Wise, 
Um, but yeah, Mavericks are just a half a game up on the dead last Mavericks. Surprisingly, like no one's really quite asserting themselves in that nine to ten range in the West. Um, there's quite a quite a little chasm there for. Uh, the Pelicans at eight, and then the Jazz are in nine for three games back, and the Jazz are also not playing well either. They can go bareback. So I don't know. Like I kind of, I kind of buy that they're not tanking, just because it's kind of open, I guess, um, for the eight spot. But it won't be long, man. Like unless they get hot here and go like at least at least six and four, which I guess I would consider hot, considering they're two and eight in their last ten. Right. Um, yeah, it's not. So, what's the analysis on this? Like, I have Kobe Simmons in a thirty man. And I'm kind of psyched about it. Um, who else? Brandon Wright. I think Brandon again. Brandon Wright's in the Boban category, right? Just give him twenty minutes, and he's going to get you probably a block and a half, six, seven boards, great percentages from the field, not so much from the line. So he's interested to me if you need a big man, like a twenty or a sixteen teamer. True, true. Yeah, he is upside, especially if they if they shut down the soul, you know, because he's been dinged up a little bit. They might give him a night off. I understand he doesn't want to, um, but if they decide to go that route, um, he's, it's certainly DFS options on nights that that soul is going to get benched or, or end or rested. Um, you know, and I think the you know with Harrison obviously he's dependent on Connolly, um, so it's you know we'll, we'll see how that plays itself out. I wonder what happens when Connolly comes back. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, Evans has been so phenomenal kind of being the main facilitator. Um, so we'll see if, if he kind of gives up, obviously give up some playmaking responsibility. But I think he's sort of matchup proof. You know, he's playing so well right now, playing at such a high level. Um, he's going to make himself a ton of money this summer um, as long as he stays healthy. So I, I don't think he should be greatly impacted. He has to be on the trade block too, right? Got to think they consider, if, you know, if it, yeah, if, if somebody gives them a young player or a pick, um, you know, that's it's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. Um, what team? What team? You got to find a partner. Um, but a guy playing that well, if there's an injury, um, you know, it, or even if not, if a team's looking for a scorer, you know, he he could be ideal as a six man off the bench, just finds yeah. plenty of offense. And his cap number is so small, so it pretty oh, much, yeah. If if you give up a first rounder and like. A scrap piece off the off your roster, you got a deal. Hundred percent. Yeah, he's only so, making three million this season, so it's yeah. very easy to find that. You know, plenty of teams have that underneath the cap anyway. You know, could technically just trade a pick on some teams. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so, so the Suns. Uh, uh, I think just to to finish up on Conley, I think Harrison may just drop out. Like I think yes. they want to give Kobe Simmons a shot. Harrison's been around the team for a while, still hasn't really done it. He was arguably the worst defender stats wise. Uh, for the first month and a half of the season. Like, Synergy was not nice to him. Uh, but, yeah. Anyways, the Suns, big win for them. On one of the craziest plays you'll see of the year, Dragon Bender throws it in, basically right into the basket, and Chandler throws it in with .6 seconds left. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was fascinating. I didn't know that rule because um, the first thing I thought was, oh, that's offensive goaltending. But um, as it turns out, Triano figured out about 15 years ago and confirmed with referees that the, if, the, if Bender's – pass slash shot had gone in the basket it would not have counted so therefore if Tyson Chandler touches the ball in the cylinder it's not offensive goaltending because the, the it's not an actual shot attempt because the shot wouldn't have counted um so we'll see how that plays itself out you know in future situations you know I think teams obviously the kind of the cats out of the bag so defenses will be ready for it um but certainly with uh, limited time under a second remaining it, we, will, we will see it attempted at least attempted again um at some point the rest of the season so I'll let you go first on this, on the Suns. Uh, there's a lot to talk about here. Devin Booker returning. Big minutes. Big return, too. 32, five boards, six assists. 
Um, so what do you think uh, impacts here with, with, again, there's so much to talk about. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think Booker, you know, 32, 6, and 5, can't ask for much more in, in his first game back. And obviously, the encouraging stat is he played 34 minutes, so um, didn't ser- show any signs of wear. I'm sure we would have heard something if he was, um, but certainly looked good. Um, hopefully avoided any setbacks. He should be ready to rock and ready to roll. Um, TJ Warren had a disappointing night, you know, 17 points, but no rebounds, no assists, no steals, no blocks. Um, he'll, he'll take a little bit of a dip now that Booker's back. Um, Marquise Chris, are you going to get tempted to, to make a run at Chris again? I guess is a, a question for you to answer. What's your, what's no, your I'm feel? Not, I'm not, I'm done. I told I said on Sunday I'm done. <laughs> um, I don't buy like, He, again, I missed on Dragon Bender pushing him this hard. So he played well. He hustled. That was the thing, you know, 13 boards, um, five turnovers though, which is not good for a guy who barely touches the ball. Um, what? So yeah, basically I had... Five possessions used for shots, five possessions used for turnovers. So that's not good. Four fouls still, but again, he, he played okay. Um, I mean, sure, if you want to pick him up, go for it. But I'm not. I like. I really need to see it again. Wow, a little, little bit of breaking news here. Shams tweeted out, Reggie Jackson has suffered a grade three right ankle sprain. Oh, no. Six to eight weeks. That means torn ligament is, oh, no. Yeah. So, yeah, make sure Ish is owned. So Ish will start flying because he's looking at 30-plus minutes a night for the next two months. Yep, definitely. He's the hot pickup for the night. I don't think – you want to add Dwight Blake's in the 30-man? I got nobody to cut. You could add him if you want. I might take a look at him, actually, yeah, if I, got, if I get some drop. Yeah. The only guy I'd have to cut would be Kobe Simmons. I don't want to drop him. No. Um, so, yeah, that's that's that. We kind of summed that up. So what else do you think? Like Avery Bradley could be a sneaky once he's back. Um, good point. There was some talk about Bradley kind of handling a little bit more of the point. He's been bad this year. So bad. Uh, dis- disappointing. So hopefully that maybe that'll kickstart him and, and get him a little more involved. Um, yeah, we'll see. Uh, you know, there's a few more shot attempts to go around. Maybe Harris's numbers get bumped up a little bit. Um, Drummond had, you know, obviously his assists have been up the season. Uh, maybe see a little more pick and roll between him and Ish Smith. So, um, but, um, yeah, that's a tough. I guess you dropped Jackson, right? There's no point in hanging on to him. Yeah, I think now he's out six to eight. Yeah, I, I'm okay with it. like he's basically he got this. He has the same prognosis as Vooch, but Vooch yep. was an elite player, so yes, yes, yeah. Color. Jackson's trending in the wrong direction anyway, so I have no problem. Letting yeah, him go. I could. Dro- I would drop him for Ish like in a heartbeat right now. Yes, hundred percent. Unless you're like, if you're, you guys know the deal. Like, if you're in a weekly league and you have an IR spot or whatever, like, right? You, you right. guys, you guys are smart. Um, okay, so yeah, we kind of covered that. Uh, other Sun stuff. Uh, Steve and I talked about this. I think Alex Lynn's good to go. I think it's him and then Chandler and Monroe are fighting for the other spot every night. Uh, setting for the starting spot. Agreed. Uh, you know, I, I think if, of certainly of those three, I think Lynn's the safest, most reliable player, um, especially over the second half of the season. Again, when it comes time to um, get a look at, you know, even though Suns are only 10 games under 500, I guess they could make a run and get competitive. Um, but I think, uh, you know, over the last couple months of the season, you know, they'll try to figure out what they have. Um, I could, you know, and I think Len's the the one player that they need to make a decision on because he's going to be an unrestricted free agent this summer. Ditto for Monroe, but I think obviously they've invested a lot more in Len, so he's a guy they probably prefer to keep around long term. I think they could trade him too. Like if a team really likes Alex Len and the Suns have seen enough, they could still keep an eye on another team. 
definitely. There's a, there's a lot of bigs on the market, so we'll see how that plays itself out. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I could I could certainly all three of those guys. I'm sure, you know obviously they'd like to trade one, so um, depends on what you're looking for in, in terms of a team. You know, what the team they're the trade partner with. So do you think that we're done, unless he has the bad ankle, knee injury as well? Do you think that'll be his only way he doesn't play, or do you think he'll be healthy and get, do you think he'll get any more healthy scratches? I've learned that I just I have no faith and confidence in saying with definitive, you know, certainty <laughs> that anything happens with that 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 mess of a rotation. Yeah, I, I said ninety five percent chance if he's healthy, he plays on Sunday. I I agree with you. Uh, you know, I probably may bump it down like eighty eighty five percent just because it's it's been weird. But I think it's starting to settle itself out a little bit now, where he's you know those other two guys will kind of rotate and he'll be a consistent uh, one consistent going forward. And then the other part of this is the point guard. Ewis had probably his best game of the season in a long time. Uh, so maybe that's because Booker was there or whatever it is. But it was his best game, and that really put a dent in Isaiah Cannon. Who and again they didn't run any point guard minutes yet. I'm sorry, no point guard lineups yet, which is going to happen. I think at some point, especially yep. when Devon Reed comes back, I think he's going to be thrown yep. into this situation. Um, or even played some point relative, you know, handled the ball a lot towards the end of last season too. They kind of experimented with that, so I could yep. definitely see it happening like sure. year. So yeah, it's I, I still would hold on to Cannon a little bit more, but um, yeah, if if Ewis plays well again, then I'd be a little bit worried. Um, but again, he's point guard, like we said on Sunday, point guard's kind of tough to. To own, um, okay. So um, one player that is uh, is a lot of fun to own right now is Kyle Kuzma. Man, Kuzmania. Every night he's going off. Defensive stats are up. He's pretty much the bell of the ball for him. You know, Mitchell's cooled off a little bit. Simmons has cooled off a little bit. Um, but yeah, Kuzma's just on fire. Kuzma's been a beast. Um, wrote a little bit about it today in the column. Um, particularly just, you know, trying to figure out why, you know, you know, slipped to 27th in the draft. Um, and, you know, if you look at his production uh, over his three seasons at Utah, shot 30% from, from the college three-point line and only 63% from the free-throw line. Um, so, uh, you know, and, and through 31 games with the Lakers, he's shooting 41% from downtown and 76% from, from the free-throw stripe. So, um, you know, he's really exceeded expectations, especially of late 26.5, 7.3 7. rebounds, um, shooting both 50% from the floor and three over his last six games. So um, this guy's been a monster. So are we, like, buying this then? I, I mean, at some point in time, I think you have to 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 accept the reality that this guy, um, you know, is, is pretty high and his floor is relatively high as well. Um, you know, just to put things in perspective, among rookies, um, dating back to 1985, there have been only eight rookies to average at least 18 points, six rebounds while shooting 50% from the floor. Those eight guys: Hakeem Olajuwon, Michael Jordan, David Robinson, Alonzo Mourning, Shaq. Tim Duncan, Blake Griffin, and Carl Anthony Towns. Jeez. That's the kind of company that, 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 that Kuzma is on pace to end up this season with. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I was hesitant to, to buy in, you know, for much of the season. Um, but we've seen, you know, centers get, you know, Lopez get dinged up and Nance come back and Randall, you know, have his minutes cut. Um, kind of the one consistent among the group has been Kuzma. Um, and I'm not ready to say that this, this won't happen for the rest of the season as well. Yeah, I can't believe he had six threes on Christmas, seven threes against the Rockets last week. Like his December numbers are insane: twenty-one, eight, two assists, and he's got a little defense: point seven blocks, point five steals, two point eight threes. Just oh, it's so crazy. Yeah, uh, and then another guy shooting threes uh, unexpectedly, uh, Mister Midrange, Demar Derozan. 
uh, who apparently um, is not going to buy his teammates Rolexes like John Wall. <laughs> um, so Serge Ibaka wants to play for the Wizards now. I can't blame him. <laughs> yeah. Who well, drops? I, I can't believe who would drop at. What was it like six forty grand? Was a uh, was the whole tab? I, I think it was. Yeah, I mean, like for what is it? Only you know, it's a fraction of his game check. You know, I guess is one way to look at it. Uh, but that's still uh, that ain't a bad Christmas gift. That's for him. <laughs> so what? Do you, what uh, what's up with DeRozan? Uh, do you think he's? Yeah, just looked at the numbers, um, and you know, it's one of those things where everyone, obviously not just fantasy players, but Raptors fans and, and players across the league just had wondered why he's kind of had an aversion to the three-point line. Uh, made just 33 last season. Um, you know, to, to, that's in context, again, that's fewer than Jason Smith and Quincy AC and Lance Thomas and Andrew Harrison and Brandon Rush. 229 players made more three-pointers than DeRozan last season, um, thir- including 13 centers. Brooke Lopez made 100 more three-pointers than DeRozan. Maurice Spates made 70 more. Um, and this is one of the most talented, you know, accurate shooters in, on, on planet Earth. So um, it, it certainly is surprising. This year he's, he's slowly but surely headed in the right direction, averaging at least uh, – averaging one three-pointer uh, this season uh, for the first time in his career um, and uh, up to 33 on the year. Um, most encouragingly, he had a dud Tuesday night last night. Um uh, but uh, last week he was named the Eastern Conference Player of the Week. Uh, over three games, averaged 34 points, um, but most encouragingly, averaged 4.33 pointers per contest um, while shooting 65% from downtown, attempted 20. Um, so uh, for a guy to make 13 in a week, uh, that's certainly a step in the right direction. Hopefully it will um, continue to move uh, in the right direction. He's just a better player all around um, when you make defense. And, and, better for his teammates when you make defenses, you know, kind of stretch all the way out to the three-point arc. Um, he's also shooting 68.4% at the rim this season. Um, I think it's really opened up his offensive game, kind of created more opportunities. Still taking plenty of mid-range, um, you know, 15 to 19-footers um, leads the league still, um, but it's less than he did last year. Um, so uh, the other thing about DeRozan is he's uh, increasing his dishing, um, averaging a career-high 4.9 assists. Um, had never had a, had a posted a, a, an assist rate higher than 20%. He's up to 24% assist rate this season. Um, so, uh, yeah, he's inside the top 40 overall, um, you know, for the first time in his career in nine cat leagues. Um, and I think it's here to stay. If anything, I think, you know, once he gets more comfortable and uh, um, starts attempting and making more threes that, uh, you know, he can sustain that, that top 40 status. Yeah. Um, I always talk about s- summer storylines. And that was a big one for DeMar DeRozan. I remember he hit 450 out of 700 three-pointers uh, on a night workout or something. And, right. um, yeah, that that's – here we go. And, and we were wondering where that was. We were like, oh, okay, it's not there. You know, we kind of, like, gave up on it after the first month. Like, okay, cool, it's fine. He is who he is. Uh, and then also, too, uh, Casey did say they want him to handle the ball more, and that's come true. So these summer storylines, this is why we dig up stupid stuff over the summer. Um, yes. so we're gonna turn it out to be okay. So are we? Is is he gonna be? He's not gonna be. So where do you think it's like three pointers? I think he could do five dimes a game though. Like I, I definitely buy that stat. I think five assists is reasonable, and I think one point two, you know, one point three three pointers, something along those lines. Um, you know, finishes with like a hundred makes on the year. I think is a reasonable expectation. 
um, you know, for, for what we can assume going forward. I think it'll start moving in the right direction. Um, he's already shown that, uh, you know, propensity for, for taking and making him. Um, so, and the, and the, and the Raptors have been successful uh, in those games. So, um, I think there's, there's no reason for him not to, to, to at least, um, attempt more. Um, so I, I'm confident that'll, that'll, that'll continue to trend in the right direction. It's tough to tell on threes though, because the first eight games of this month, he had one three pointer combined. True, uh, and he wasn't taking them. He had one, one, two, one, zero, four, two, one. So those are attempts. So right. I don't know. I think one's fair. Like I, I'm not buying this three made, six made, no. four made, which no. which nobody is. But um, yeah, I, was, I, I think it's there, and that helps. You know, if 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 he's gonna miss two a game and maybe make one, then great. Um, that won't pull you down. For a guy who's gonna take eighteen, nineteen shots, you'll live with two misses a game if he gets you a three. Yeah, the other thing is, even though he's taking more three-pointers this year, he's uh, shooting over 48% from the floor, all told, um, which would be the second highest, his, his highest since his rookie year. So it's not like it's negatively impacting his field goal percentage as well. And you mentioned uh, him at the rim, too. That's big, because I always correlate rim, shooting at the rim well, will help your floor, help you go go away from slumps. So yep. like Nick Batum doesn't go to the rim at all. He'll have bad, bad, bad slumps when his shot's not going down. So DeRozan was also prone to that too more before this year. Okay, uh, anything else you want to add? Um, I think that's about it. All right, so you guys take care. Enjoy your Wednesday, and thanks for coming on, man. Thank you, sir.